Hello and thanks for joining us. This is Search for Truth, your Bible teaching program with Brian Johnston. It's a privilege to have you with us and today is the final talk in this series where Brian answers listeners' questions. There's no booklet to accompany this series, but if you're the one who asked the question, you might want to tell us if the talk's been helpful. Have a pen and paper handy and I'll tell you the addresses and websites after Brian's talk. Today's question is from a listener who asks... Is there a Christian way to find a marriage partner? So, over to you, Brian. Right, thanks, John. This uh, listener who's asked is actually one of our regular contacts, and he's based in Nigeria, and he has written, as you say, to ask for any general biblical guidance when it comes to choosing a life partner in marriage. I guess we could say that the only person for whom a partner never had to be sought was Adam, because God provided Eve for him. Later, he described her as the woman you, that is God, gave me. As Christians, we'll certainly want to seek God's guidance as to the partner he intends for us, although unlike Adam, we can expect to have our part to play also. God has revealed key principles in his word to guide us in this all-important matter. Let's look at some of them, based on Genesis chapter 24, where the Bible tells us how a wife was found for one of its great characters. We read this. Abraham was now old and well advanced in years. He said to the chief servant in his household, I want you to swear by the Lord that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives to get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, What if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land, and who spoke to me and promised me an oath, saying, To your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you, so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and left, taking with him all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Naharaim and made his way to the town of Nahor. He made the camels kneel down outside the well outside the town. It was towards evening, the time the women go out to draw water. Then he prayed, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, Please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, Drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. Before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. The girl was very beautiful, a virgin. No one had ever lain with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too, until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, went back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for his camels. 
Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring and two gold bracelets. Then he asked, Whose daughter are you? She answered him, I am the daughter of Bethuel. Then the man bowed down and worshipped the Lord and went to the house and the camels were unloaded. Then food was set before him, but he said, I will not eat until I have told you what I have to say. As was the custom then, Abraham, the father, took the initiative in finding a partner for his son Isaac. Even though this was an arranged marriage, we still have to be impressed by the solemnity of his actions in calling for his chief servant and making him swear an oath that he'd do exactly as commanded before entrusting him with the mission of finding a wife for his son. That just underlines the point we've made about the seriousness of this matter of finding a partner. It's not something to be taken lightly, as so often happens, sadly, in some societies. We read of how Abraham on no account wanted his son's wife to be taken from the Canaanites, renowned as they were for their hideous pagan practices, which were an offence to God. Even though Abraham's relatives, to whom the servant was directed, had become tainted with idolatry themselves, the knowledge of the true God had not died out completely among them. This condition reminds us of the New Testament commands to marry someone who must belong to the Lord. However open-minded or sympathetic an unbeliever may seem, the fact remains that he or she is by nature hostile to God. As a believer, how could you share your life with someone with whom you're not in agreement on such a profound issue, someone who doesn't share your love for the Lord Jesus? In that area, you'd remain strangers. What about praying for their conversion, you say? Sure, so long as your prayers aren't hindered by having already embarked on a course of action which is against God's will. Don't commit yourself emotionally before their conversion, for there are no guarantees and there's always the danger of encouraging a false profession. Move in God's plan. If he or she really is the one God intends for you, then waiting for their conversion will not be time wasted. And often this may clarify, one way or the other, what the Lord's will is in terms of any future relationship. There may come a point, however, when you simply have to say that you can go no further. Other differences in background may be overcome with patience and understanding, but a difference regarding salvation is too deep. Abraham's servant then asks if he may take Isaac to Mesopotamia if the girl should wish to stay there. Absolutely not, Abraham effectively replies. God had a special calling for Abraham and his descendants. He promised the land of Canaan to them. There was to be no turning back. In our case, it's vital that we find a partner who's prepared to follow with us in our calling and who will share totally in our understanding of the Lord's will. Marriage for the Christian is to be in the Lord, 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 39 says. That'll involve our being subject to the Lord's will. The choice of a life partner is to be governed by our allegiance to the Lord as well as by our natural affection. Practically, this will mean that if we've come to a settled conviction about serving God in a way we understand to be in accordance with Scripture, and one which, as we see it, fully owns the Lordship of Christ, then we'll surely want to seek a partner who's not only a believer, but who'll walk the same way and not take us to another land, so to speak. 
There's a real practical difficulty in partners belonging to different denominations. For one thing, there's a limit to sharing, for example, worship, which should be a shared highlight. And then, if there are children, whose way do they follow? At a very young age, they'd be confronted with confusion and choices. A successful Christian marriage will depend on both partners fully agreeing in their desires for serving the Lord. It's also important that our partner is prepared to support us in any special ministry for the Lord in which we're already engaged. So Abraham sends his servant off, assuring him that God will send his angel before him. That ought to impress on us that we too must trust that God will lead us in the matter of seeking a partner. The choice is of importance to him. The next thing that we find is that Abraham's servant took up a strategic position outside the city by a well or spring. A friend of mine who was single once wryly remarked when reading through Genesis 24 that the first thing he thought he should do was to look for a well. Joking aside, we can at least learn that although God may want us to have a partner, we must still do something ourselves. The servant didn't just sit in the desert and wait. We can go where we're likely to make friends with suitable potential partners. The servant went to a well. Water is often used in the Bible as a symbol of God's word. We can make and deepen friendships at places and events where water is being drawn, if you like, in the study of God's word. Not that that should be our main reason, of course, for going there. Notice how the servant next made it a matter of prayer that God would ensure that he met the intended woman. We especially ought to pray for the Lord's leading. We need to begin to pray as soon as we feel the need for a life partner, and definitely before we have someone special in mind. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths, Proverbs 3 and 6 says. A prudent wife is from the Lord, Proverbs 19 and verse 14 says, and no less can be said of a good husband. Pause next to observe the details of the servant's prayer. He didn't ask for the girl to be recognisable by what she wore, by how attractive she was or whatever. His request was more concerned with her character, shown by her willingness to do a considerable job of work. While physical attraction plays its part in a developing friendship, we see from this that it's not the only, or perhaps not even the most important consideration. A person's spirituality and character are more important grounds for compatibility than physical attractiveness. The servant waited until Rebecca had watered all the camels and he had talked with her. He waited a long time, perhaps. In that way, he received complete assurance. How long should the period of going out and then engagement be? Certainly, until you feel sure you really know the other person. There can be dangers in a very long as well as in very short courtships. There could be a sense of frustration and the strain of maintaining purity could prove too much. When at the girl's family home, the servant came directly to the point and told the family the purpose of his mission. Gifts and information were shared. It's so important that would-be partners find out as much as possible about each other before any commitments are made. For one thing, it'd be important to share attitudes and expectations about the question of starting a family.
So, Brian, thank you for answering uh, Femi's question so fully. And, Femi, if you're listening now in Nigeria, please let us know if Brian's talk's been helpful or not. But for all who are listening, it may be that we can have another series of uh, question and answer sometime in the future. So keep those questions rolling in. And if you've got pen and paper, here's our postal address and our email address uh, so you can uh, you send them to us. Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester, LE5, 6LN, UK. I'll repeat that for you. Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester, LE5, 6LN, UK. And our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Although there's no booklet for this series, and this is the last programme in this series, you can still access the many booklets and talks and subjects and studies which we previously presented uh, here at Search for Truth, and you can have the opportunity to, to enjoy these at your leisure. And each week, uh, as you know, I remind you of different ways to obtain them. And one of these ways is uh, by audio podcast versions, and you can uh, use your computer and access them at www.searchfortruth.podbean.com. And uh, once there, you can browse the list of previous talks, uh, which you'll see has been sorted into categories, so it's uh, helpful for you to find what you're looking for. And you also might uh, be interested to know that at least 40 different titles of Search for Truth transcript booklets have been turned into ebooks and are available at amazon.co.uk forward slash Kindle hyphen ebooks. Just type Search for Truth series into the search box and you'll find them. So many thanks for listening today. It's been a pleasure to have your company. Next week, Brian begins a new series on Christian church life in the New Testament model. So please join us again. But until then, very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers and me, John. So goodbye and may God richly bless you. When doubts and fears...